0: Okay, so, 15 years old, hot, humid, Michigan summer day, and trying to start this piece of junk lawnmower before my father gets home and blows his stack. Besides yanking on the cord, kicking it, I don't know what to do, but I do know pops ain't trying to hear my sorry excuses, so I'm trapped between our unmowed lawn and a hard place. And then riding down the street like he's leading a parade our neighbor buzzes up in his fancy fire engine red brand new riding mower grinning like he just ate the canary turns over to me gestures at his machine hey won't it (laughs) huh well well actually you know what If I could use it for just a couple hours, I promise I'll take great care of it and pull it right back into your garage. No, 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 no. He gets off, tosses me the keys. It's all yours. What? I am no dummy. People don't just roll up and hand me expensive things. Sir, I I can't take... No, 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 you own it now. I won't be needing stuff like this no more, I'll tell you what. And I can see he's excited. He's fit to bust. Sir, I catch all yours. And he dances back down the street. Uh, uh thank you? I'm still scared. Figure the police are going to pull up and take my black behind the jail for messing with this nice man's property. But the riding mower, this beautiful riding mower, gleams in the afternoon sun, waiting for someone to sit on it. So I sit, rev it up, and hee-haw, make quick work of the lawn, then mow the next-door neighbors just for the fun of it. You're welcome. And right when I figure I could make me some money with this, Pops pulls up. Boy, take that back to where you got it from. Mr. Vandersloot gave it to me. Gave it. Boy, have you lost your mind? He marches me down the street to apologize for taking his good man's property. But the house... It's all locked up. Nobody home. We go back the next day. Then the next day and the day after that. I'm telling you, he wrote it down here and gave it to me. Boy, stop with all this foolishness. Of course, I know all good things must come to an end, but I'm loving it while it lasts. Two weeks later, there's a knock on the door. Mr. Vandersalute looking all sheepish, tired, hat in hand. Hey, um, you mind... You mind if, if I get that get that lawnmower back from you? Sure. I give him the keys. Pops goes out to talk. And I don't hear this part, but he clears me of all charges. Says he got an envelope in the mail. Says he wants a million dollars. So he starts giving away all his stuff, fixing to make a new star. Maybe in a big city. Maybe on a beach. But it turns out, There's no million dollars. There's just a magazine company fooling with him and he's sorry. Says he's real sorry about all this confusion. Sorry. Why? I think about the joy. The real joy he had in his face when he thought he made the big score. And the very first thing he tried to do, the thing that was in his heart to do, was to pass it on. Today on Snap Judgment, when we once, we proudly present This is Uncomfortable. My name is from Washington. Everybody wins the big prize when you're listening to Snap Judgment. Every so often you find yourself in a situation where what you took for granted, the rules of your world, they bend and break. And I'm not talking about zero gravity. I'm talking about a bad breakup, losing your job, getting evicted, when things you've taken as a given in life change. These moments happen to everyone. How you choose to deal with it, that's up to you. And that's what today's story is about woman's quest to understand her world after it changes under her. Coming from her friends over at Marketplaces, This is Uncomfortable, it's a podcast, a show about life, and how money messes with it. Producer Peter Balan Rosen has the story. Let's see here, can you, can you hear me all right?
1: Yeah, I can hear you quite well, please tell.
2: The other week, I had this video call. The person I was talking to is so protective about her identity that it was cameras off, only talk from an encrypted device, no real names.
1: Hey, I'm playing with criminals all day long. You will be careful as well in my place, right?
2: Well, I have you logged in here as Carrie. I guess I'll, I'll just call you Carrie. Sure. Okay, cool.
1: All right, so cool. yeah, well, okay, Carrie.
2: Jump- and this, I was able to get out of her. She grew up behind the Iron Curtain, now lives somewhere in Central Europe. She's in her 50s, and she's the type of nerd who considers Dune a holy text. Carrie tells me at one point she had all the Dune books on display, next to Batman, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn action figures. She's also always loved space shows and Star Wars.
1: Science fiction, it's a way of helping you to open your mind to unexpected things and to, to discover things about yourself. It was a time when being a nerd was a stigma. Now, hey, I'm proud to be part of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Carrie's story doesn't start a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It starts just over a decade ago in Central Europe. She'd moved there for love.
1: I was convinced that I have the perfect marriage until my ex-husband decided that he can have a perfect marriage with someone else.
2: He left her after 14 years.
1: I was quite devastated, to be honest with you, because you are in a foreign country. You are not young anymore. (laughs) Uh, You don't have friends, you don't have family, you don't have
2: no one near you. Carrie barely knew the local language. Basic conversations were a challenge. Instead, she'd wander solo down city streets and through parks, trying to wear herself out just to keep myself
1: moving and to get enough tired for sleep, to be honest.
2: Her sci-fi books, Dune, Philip K. Dick novels, Fahrenheit 451, they provided brief, necessary escapes from her own life. It's creating uh, a fake reality cocoon to help me move ahead. Eventually, Carrie's friends from back home were like, you gotta snap out of this, come back to the real world.
1: I came with the idea with hey how about if you join a dating site to be honest with you I was quite apprehensive about it
2: why is that? Uh,
1: because I wasn't liking very much the idea of dating online
2: but her friends convinced her just talk to another human it doesn't have to be serious so Carrie made a profile on the site called Badu and she selected where potential matches could be it was worldwide worldwide okay
1: Yeah, as long as we only talk and it's only online, it's no danger.
2: Almost immediately, the messages flooded in.
1: Well, I was shocked and surprised because, let me tell you something, I am not Cindy Crawford or Julia Roberts or something (laughs) like that, and to have tons of guys jumping on you in chat and telling you how beautiful you are and how amazing you are, and that was the innocent part of it.
2: There were guys saying romantic things, like how they wanted to watch the sunrise with her. And then other guys saying unromantic things, like exactly what they wanted to do to her until sunrise. But in between those guys, there was someone named John. He's 47 years old,
1: and he's from Los Angeles, California, but he's living in Iraq,
2: and he's U.S. military, part of the peacekeeping force in Iraq. John had totally normal things to say, like, how are you? Where are you from? After a few exchanges, he did the online equivalent of, let's get out of here, go somewhere a little more quiet.
1: He was saying, you know something, how about if we move on Yahoo?
2: They moved onto Yahoo Messenger. John said he couldn't use a webcam or phone on his military base for security reasons. So over the next few weeks, they messaged and emailed instead. John sent photos, brown hair, crew cut, military garb, straight faced, but with warm eyes. Talking with John, Carrie felt he was genuinely interested in her. They'd message and email for hours, Carrie sipping coffee at her desk, with John asking her about the sci-fi she was reading, whether she was getting enough sleep, about her dreams of having a family.
1: A lot of things that, let's be honest, in my real life, no one ever asked about. Yeah, that's
2: like really (laughs) kind and like caring. Yeah. Now, you probably see where this is going. Single woman meets super nice man halfway across the world on a dating site. Makes you wanna scream, run, it's a scam. And while we see it coming, Carrie didn't. In large part, because John had a son.
1: He was on the front, the kid was somewhere else. So yeah, I was
2: a little moved by his story. If Carrie thought John was nice, she really fell for his son Felix. Sweeping me off of my feet instantly. The 14-year-old was living with a caretaker in Ghana while his dad was deployed. John told Carrie he couldn't communicate with Felix when out on combat missions. So John asked if Carrie could. And emailing with Felix, Carrie learned he was a lot like her. They were both in foreign lands, both far from family, both in need of a friend.
1: He want to be home and have a normal family like anyone else. Ah. And that's a thing I could resonate
2: to. Felix even started calling Carrie mom.
1: I tried to have children before and it wasn't working for me, so I imagine that I can maybe have a life where my life partner has a son of his own and I can consider him my son as well without any
2: problems. It felt like a dream come true. And Carrie was so in love with that dream that she didn't bat an eye when the money stuff started. One day Carrie was sitting at her desk, emailing John.
1: When John told me, you know, Friday, end of the week, as it be, it's Felix's birthday.
2: Oh, okay.
1: And uh, how about if you buy him a gift to make him feel that you accepted him as your son?
2: Carrie had about 2,500 euros saved up. She wired a thousand to get a new iPhone for Felix and pay for a birthday party. Then when Felix needed an emergency surgery, Carrie wired another 700 euros to cover it. But then in the hospital, Carrie was told Felix caught cholera and needed 3,000 euros for treatment. I freaked out, of course. Carrie, concerned for Felix, scrambled to read whatever she could find online about cholera in Ghana. And came across this article with info that stopped her in her tracks.
1: The government in Ghana offers free
2: treatment. Free treatment?
1: Yeah. And that was the moment when all my alarm bells started ringing. Doing the rounds, I found an article about military people being
2: impersonated online. Carrie scrolled through the entire article, even what people were saying in the comment section.
1: Talking about military guys they met online, and the money they lost because of those guys, and how they believe that they will build a family together, and... (sighs) Yeah. I realized that something is happening that I don't understand and I need more information about it.
2: So one day, Carrie sat down at her computer pulled up an email from John supposedly sent from a military base in Iraq and plugged his info into an IP tracker, an online tool that tells you where an email came from. I was giving an IP that
1: was from a mobile phone in Accra, Ghana.
2: Accra, the capital of Ghana. Uh,
1: In that moment, I realized that, yeah, no way my John is the real John. But hey, at
2: least Felix might be real, so go and check Felix. And all of Felix's emails, the supposed 14-year-old, from the exact same IP address as John.
1: I was speechless for for, for a while, looking at my screen and trying to understand what the hell. I'm living a fake romance, and not only that it's a fake romance, it's a fake romance that I am paying
2: for. Carrie was living paycheck to paycheck, barely making ends meet. She had given them 1,700 euros, most of her small savings.
1: I was feeling like a fool and I was feeling angry at myself because that makes you reevaluate entirely who you really are.
2: At this point, Carrie could have cursed John out, blocked him, moved on. But instead, she got curious and made a decision.
1: That no matter what, I will not send them any more money, but I will keep the contact to see how the things are going.
2: Interesting. Okay. Why?
1: Because I try to understand and I try to to figure it out who is behind and why. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I was curious to see how far they will go.
2: Carrie told John she couldn't pay for the cholera treatment. And what do you know? Felix recovered. After that, John told Carrie he wanted Felix to go live with her, but he needed her to send cash for travel documents. When Carrie said no, a lawyer got in touch, saying Felix had come into this huge inheritance. They just needed Carrie's help paying some legal fees. When Carrie declined that, John said he magically found over a million dollars out on a military mission, which he was sending to Carrie. She just had to pay for its delivery.
1: Step by step, he was confirming with each and every message that he's nothing but a scammer.
2: Yeah, honestly, it sounds like exhausting getting asked for money left and right, left and right.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, it was obviously for me that this lie doesn't work. We will use another lie, we will use another lie, and we will use another lie.
2: Six months after meeting John, Carrie decided she'd had enough. I decided that it's time for the romance to end. Carrie sat down at the same desk where she'd sent flirty messages, where she'd confided in John, how much she liked Felix, and composed an email saying something very different. That I know that he is lying to me, and I want to know
1: why. And
2: Carrie got a reply, saying,
1: I am very sorry to be frank. I love you and hope to move forward with you. It's because of a hardship which made me to hurt you, but I love you now and hope to meet you. One day.
2: And how do you feel when you see that?
1: I was pissed. That was the moment when I stopped everything and I blocked him everywhere.
2: And she took things a step further.
1: (sighs) I decided to do the right thing and warn people about my scammer.
2: Carrie went on to a message board she found where people posted info about scammers and she posted everything she had on John and Felix. The messages, the photos they'd sent her, destinations for the money requests, their real IP addresses.
1: And the final messages that I received from him confirming that he's not the person from the emails. How's that feel? Empty.
2: All Carrie could hear was her own voice in the back of her head
1: telling me that I'm a fool and I'm an idiot and I deserve what is happening to me. And that was just pushing me down more and more and more. I was doubting my own judgment. I was doubting myself. And I was feeling that no matter what
2: I'm doing, every time when I choose something, it's ending bad. Carrie started staying home, away from a world that felt out to get her. She stopped cooking, stopped cleaning. Instead, fast food bags and candy wrappers littered the apartment, making the bed no longer felt worth it. I was feeling bad about myself. She even stopped reading her beloved sci-fi novels.
1: Even if you want to enjoy things that were making you happy before, you cannot. There is a shadow about everything and above everything. And... I was just wondering if there is any way in this life I can deserve someone honest.
2: But something kept drawing Carrie back to the computer. See, on that website where she'd posted John's information, she'd also found this anonymous chat room, a place where scam victims could come, ask for help, and talk about what was going on. Carrie had decided to join not as a victim— but as someone who could help others find information and confirm whether something was actually a scam. I was
1: having the feeling that helping them helps me understand
2: what I am dealing with. Rather than walking away from scams and scammers like most people would have done, Carrie decided to go deeper into the world that hurt her. The world of scammers on a quest to fight them head on.
1: I wasn't going on a mission to become something else. I wasn't trying to be someone else.
0: But sometimes in the heat of battle, you lose yourself. That's after the break. Stay tuned. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. You're listening to This Is Uncomfortable. When last we left, Carrie had her heart broken by a scammer. But then decided... It was time to fight back.
2: Okay, so first thing you gotta do if you're gonna take on scammers is, like any superhero, come up with a name for your crime-fighting persona. And Carrie, staying very on-brand, turn to sci-fi for inspiration.
1: My online persona is Firefly.
2: Firefly, also the name of a cult sci-fi Western TV series set in the year 2517. Carrie's first stop as Firefly was that victim support chat room, where Carrie helped people figure out if they were being scammed. She'd get home after a full day's work at her office job, sit in her apartment, face buried in her laptop late into the night, messaging with victims, and chain smoking.
1: Usually when I'm online, I smoke a lot. I don't smoke when I'm away from my computer.
2: (laughs) Oh, all right. Some people are social smokers. You are a... uh computer smoker.
1: Well, makes sense knowing what I'm doing for fun, yeah.
2: (laughs) With her new hobby, Carrie talked to romance scam victims, blackmail scam victims, business owners who'd sent money to scammers filing fake invoices, and people who'd lost money to scammers pretending to be delivery services.
1: Something was dying inside me every time when I was talking with someone not sure if it's scammed or not. And I was able to tell them, yes, you are scammed, look here. Same pictures used on other 10
2: profiles, same email address used with different identities online. She talked to people who would also talk to their scammers, supposed kid, lawyer and friends, telling them,
1: I understand what you are dealing with, because I am also like you, because I am a romance scam victim myself. And in a way of speaking, it was helping me to rebuild my trust in people because I was able to show them that not anything online is fake. And not anyone online is after your
2: money. As Carrie talked to victim after victim, she discovered something.
1: On one side of the screen, you have the victim. And on the other side of the screen, you have an entire
2: army of people working to scam you. Gary learned that scammers are often way more than just one person. There's this whole operation, where there's one person whose job it is to rope the victim in, then someone else whose job it is to flirt, then someone else who does the big ask and actually requests money, plus this boss of sorts overseeing everything.
1: He's not directly involved, he's just uh, distributing the work and getting the
2: biggest part of the cash. Wait, so if I'm just picturing this, it almost kind of sounds like a corporate environment, right? Where you have, like, the entry-level people, you have their managers, and then you have, like, the CEO at the top? Yes. And seeing all this, Carrie decided to take things even further. She started getting information from victims... And then publicly publishing, on a website, the emails, the bank accounts, the pictures, the phone numbers, the same messages used over and over to rope victims in, and anything else used by these scamming organizations. And this move came with a risk.
1: You are dealing with criminals. And those criminals have uh, infrastructure all over the world, anything associated with your real life can put yourself in danger, and if not yourself, someone dear to you if they manage to identify you.
2: How nervous about that were you?
1: I was nervous about it because, yeah, you don't
2: have any type of security if you don't build it yourself. So Carrie worked to encrypt her computer and scrub the internet of any traces of her real life which is why she won't tell me her real name or location now. So there'd be nothing out there for anyone who wanted to stop her from trying to stop scammers.
1: Well, at that point in my life, I had nothing else more important to do from my perspective, to be honest. Because there were people that I can help
2: avoid being in the same shitty situation I put myself in. Carrie hoped to make scammers' lives harder and to reach potential victims before they sent money.
1: It's becoming frustrating because it doesn't matter what you are doing and how much you are exposing. There will always be victims
2: more as you can handle. Now, Carrie, as Firefly, had befriended other regulars on these anti-scam message boards. And when she said how frustrated she was... They encouraged me to start baiting. ...to join a group of people known as scam baiters.
1: That was another group of people voluntarily interacting with scammers online.
2: Wait, interacting with scammers, how?
1: Replying to their emails and going back and forth and gathering
2: information. Kerry saw they were people who crusade across the internet and basically deliver their own version of street justice to scammers. Like Batman, but instead of mask and cape, it's username and keyboard. People who create online personas and pretend to fall for scams in order to directly get information about scammers and their tactics and then expose them.
1: I was quite reluctant about it because I wasn't sure that I can do it without reacting poorly and
2: screaming you are a
1: scammer with each and every
2: reply that I will send. Plus, Carrie tells me she'd always tried to be an honest person. This would be going online, pretending to be someone she's not. Basically using the same tactics John had used on her. Plus, she wasn't sure if scambaders were actually good guys.
1: One thing that I didn't like very, very much was a thing called safari.
2: A safari is this online competition between baiters to see who can make a scammer travel the farthest, often across international borders or into war zones. By promising scammers, there's money waiting. Or you make a scammer build a church from sandbags. This actually happened, Kerry learned. A few years back, Bader's convinced a scammer he'd get hundreds of thousands of dollars if he built a monument out of 8,000 pounds of sandbags, then traveled to the Sahara Desert for a fake conference. When the scammer went, he ended up getting stranded, going days without food.
1: I don't want a scammer dead. I want
2: a scammer in jail for what he has done. But Carrie's friends from the forums were like, well, you could be what's called an ethical baiter. An ethical
1: baiter, it's a person interacting with the scammer, wasting the scammer time as much as possible to keep him away from real victims. And in the meantime, gathering information about the scammer and the scam infrastructure used in that particular
2: scam. Nothing illegal, nothing to try and hurt the scammer, just deceiving a scammer like a scammer does to others and then flagging scam tactics to law enforcement, banks, and dating sites.
1: That was feeling amazing. That was the moment when I decided to become a scam baiter.
2: Going with what you know, Carrie decided to focus on romance scammers. Her first task? Figure out her approach. You want to be a honey trap or you want to be a vinegar trap? (laughs) Wait, say that again?
1: (laughs) You want to be a honey trap or you want to be a vinegar trap?
2: Honey trap or vinegar trap. She tells me honey trap is where you go on a dating site, act kind of sweet, kind of plain, like honey, in order to lure a scammer in. And a vinegar trap, well, that's the total opposite. You act like someone only a scammer would go after.
1: Someone so horrible that no normal, decent human will ever contact on a dating site.
2: Can I just say I love that term, vinegar trap?
1: Yeah, well, that's the term.
2: <laughs> Carrie decided she wanted to see what it'd be like to get scammed as a guy. And she was going to go honey trap.
1: My first persona was 56 years old, divorced, bald, drinking a lot of beer, and searching for his other half.
2: She made sure her laptop was extra encrypted and untraceable, and went looking for love in all the wrong places. Free dating sites with bad security. Places known for scammers. And it was as if her bald, beer-drinking man was GQ's sexiest man of the year. The messages came pouring in.
1: It was overwhelming.
2: The first one was from a scammer claiming to be an heiress trapped in a refugee camp.
1: Her father left a fortune, and if I can help her get that money in my bank account, she will come to join
2: me and live happily forever. Before long, Carrie was getting five or six messages like that a day she 'd play along with every single one before work, after work, sitting at her computer, chain smoking
1: I never interacted with them first, I never winked, I never smiled at them, nothing. I just sit there waiting for them to contact me and that 's when the fun starts
2: Carrie saw scamming was worldwide. There were scammers from Ukraine pretending to be beautiful women who'd start messaging you, then want you to pay for a translation service they were using. Scammers in Ghana pretending to be porn stars ready to sell gold and land to come live with you. Russian scammers who'd make plans to travel to meet you, but then always get arrested at the airport and need you to bail them out. Plus Chinese romance scammers, fake delivery scammers in Eastern Europe, Cameroonian scammers with fake businesses. And you're seeing all this with just that one guy account that you make? Yep. In the meantime, I decided to be a female as well. And this time, Carrie went full on vinegar.
1: She was a heavy smoker, a heavy drinker, and she was not attractive at all.
2: Carrie uses picture from a meme going around. Lady with pink star-shaped glasses, super messy hair, and teeth edited to look like a rabbit.
1: Yeah, she was a star.
2: (laughs) And I gotta ask, did it feel hypocritical at all to be setting up these accounts, pretending to be someone you're not?
1: Uh, No, as long as you didn't interact with real people.
2: As her personas, Carrie would gather info about the scripted messages scammers would send, the financial accounts they'd want her to send money to, the different players involved in any scheme, and post it all publicly— Plus, she and other scambators would flag to banks different accounts and wire transfers involved in fraud activities. It was learning something new every day. It kept her coming back. Plus, keeping scammers interested without sending money, it turned into this game of sorts. I feel like that's one of the places where you could have some fun with it. Yeah. Still, not everything went as planned.
1: I end up with my very first death threat.
2: One time, Kerry was baiting a scammer who used a different email with every victim. So when Kerry exposed his info, he knew exactly who was behind it.
1: In that case, he promised that he will find me and he will put a bullet in my head if he's finding me.
2: Oh God, how did that feel?
1: Yeah, well, I was laughing. He wasn't who he pretended to be. So telling me that he will put the FBI after me and he will execute me and giving me details on how he will be doing it. It was hilarious. But was there a small
2: part of you that was a little worried?
1: No. The danger is
2: real if you give them the chance,
1: but you don't give them that chance.
2: But Carrie had this other problem. Her hobby was taking over her life. Before she knew it, she was talking to a hundred scammers, playing out a hundred different storylines all at the same time.
1: To interact with such a huge amount of people online... uh doesn't leave you much time for anything else.
2: You barely have time to eat, to sleep. Carrie was spending way more time writing emails as a fake person than as herself. She was pulling all-nighters to message scammers 10, 12 hours at a time, then rushing home from her 9 to 5 office job to do it all again.
1: And it's becoming frustrating after a while because you became an extension of your computer and that's mm. a A problem when you really want to not
2: forget yourself into your online persona, not to get lost. But there was always another scammer around the corner. And so searching for a way to get her life back, Carrie took a moment to think about this entire world of scammers.
1: They are all over the damn place, but they end up all in the same point, and that's fake sites.
2: So Carrie decided to change her strategy again. Because she saw in a lot of the scams, scammers went out of their way to make websites to back up their stories. Like if a scammer was pretending to be a CEO, their fake company would have a fake website to prove that yes, they are the CEO of an important company. Plus sites for fake banks and fake shipping services.
1: All the scam messages you receive,
2: almost each third one it's leading to a fake site. Carrie saw all these sites with the same layout, the same blue background and the same spinning globe icon in the corner. Looking at them, Carrie had this light bulb moment. She wondered if she could knock out these sites, could that stop multiple scams at the same time? So Carrie rounded up other baiters to work together to find scam websites that looked the same. And they started with sites with that spinning globe in the corner.
1: And we identified hundreds 120 fake
2: couriers. 120 websites, all with the same look, all using fake delivery scams.
1: It was scary because each and every of those sites had between 250 and 300 victims
2: each. Each? Yes. That's 30,000 scam victims. Carrie and the other scambaders reported each website to the site's registrar, a business like GoDaddy that hosts websites. And at the same time, boom. All 120 suspended.
1: That was feeling like a victory, and I was quite happy about it because I imagine that's the end of it.
2: So naive I was, right? Because then, just a few months later, sites with the same spinning globe, all seemingly made by the same person, were popping up again. People in the scam baiting world actually have a term for people who make these fake sites. They call them faker makers.
1: We suspended everything this faker maker created five times in a row.
2: Oh, it kind of feels like playing like internet whack-a-mole. Like as soon as something pops up, you can whack it once, but it'll pop up again. Yeah. I, I gotta ask, like, why keep up with this? It kind of feels like you're fighting an uphill battle that you're never going to win if I'm if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, agree with you. But hey, at
2: least you can try to keep the place clean. And it's the little wins that keep Carrie from walking away. Like when she successfully outed her elusive faker maker by digging up the name of the person who registered the sites.
1: We identified him. He was a Nigerian living in Malaysia. By the look of it,
2: he lost
1: the trust of his employer So
2: Carrie keeps watching, and waiting, and chasing scammers down.
1: For most of my fellow baiters, the scammers are their pets. For me they
2: are not pets, pets have souls. You don't think scammers have souls? No. Saying people don't have souls is pretty harsh.
1: Well, you know, in one of the baits I pretended to be a, a terminal ill cancer victim having money just for my medication to keep me alive and the scammer was even asking for that money. You have people living on the street because they lost their houses and their jobs after being victims of scams. They don't give a damn about their victims. The victims it's just an ATM machine for them. Do you believe they have souls?
2: I mean, I, I, I hear that they're doing something wrong, but I, it's hard for me not to look at other people as also people.
1: I'm sorry to say it, but someone that will do anything for money,
2: it's at a different level. Switching up tactics to focus on fake sites rather than hundreds of individual scammers has given Carrie something important. Time. Time to focus on her own life again.
1: I learned to disconnect, Mm. just take a step back and stay away from everything serious for a few days. I'm going to watch movies, I'm going to see concerts, things that are making me happy.
2: (laughs) Which is how recently Carrie met a cute guy. She was out at this rock concert in her city.
1: I was singing and clapping myself, and I became aware of a disturbance somewhere around me.
2: (laughs) She looked over, saw this guy belting along to the band, wearing a blue t-shirt and jeans, a huge smile on his face.
1: He was singing so false, unbelievable, but with such a conviction.
2: (laughs) Oh, he he wasn't nailing it. It didn't sound that good.
1: (laughs) But it was (laughs) hilarious and funny, and I start laughing, and he realized that I'm laughing, and we start talking, and yeah, we went for a coffee after that.
2: And the conversation felt refreshing. They've been seeing each other for a few months now.
1: It's pleasant to be yourself and not pretend to be someone else.
2: And you're sure he's real?
1: Uh more than sure yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and how how does he feel about you being a scam baiter?
1: Well, he knows that I am playing games online.
2: Playing games.
1: Yeah. What I'm doing it's a game, right? He doesn't know the details of what I'm doing online. He
2: doesn't know? No. Oh, interesting. Why why keep it a secret? Uh, because It's
1: part of my life that is not involving real life and he's having nothing to do with it. Why to expose him to a stress that he doesn't need to deal with and it's my problem to deal with?
2: I mean, okay, I kind of get that, but it also seems like this is like a really huge part of your life. It's kind of odd to not talk about it no
1: do you believe that this part of my life it's uh, the kind of topic that you can have uh, with uh, a person that you met for a few months and you believe that you might have something with
2: are you worried that it would be like a turnoff
1: no i'm not just it's refreshing to be yourself from time to time <laughs> sure and it's giving me energy for what I am doing because if you don't have a strong foundation in your real life you cannot do what we are doing every day.
0: That was producer Peter Balnan rosen A version of this story aired on Marketplace's This is Uncomfortable a show about life and how money messes with it. If you want to hear more, check out This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get podcasts. A big thanks to the entire team over there for their work on this piece. That's Arima Carace, Zoe Saunders, Karen Duffin, Alice Wilder, Marque Green, Drew Jostad, and Kunal Patel. Original score for that story was by Dirk Schwartzoff. Oh, yes, it's that time. It's that time. But if you want more, if you need more, travel the world with Snap. Take the podcast in your pocket wherever you go. Hours of adventure await snapjudgment.org. If you want to join the Snaptastic conversation, no, we're on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Instagram. Don't miss a beat. Snap is brought to you by the team that has never fallen for an internet scam. Except, of course, for the Uwe producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. I told him repeatedly that Chad Sikowicz was not the name of the Nigerian prince, but some things you have to learn the hard way. There's Nancy Lopez, Patrick miller David Exame, Anna Sussman, Renzo Gorio, Shayna Sheely, Taylor Ducat, Flo Wiley, John Facile, Marissa Dodge, Bo Walsh, Amy Nguyen, and Zara Norosh. And you may have heard that this is not the news. No way is this a news. In fact, when your scanner asks you to send some money, you could tell him that you would. But you're going to need him to send you a few dollars in order for gas to drive to where you keep your money. See? And you could do that and still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PRX. If you're enjoying this Snap Spotlight of This Is Uncomfortable for Marketplace, there is so much more to check out. The current season explores that tricky tension between our expectations and reality. Let's face it, we're not always rational creatures, especially when it comes to money. Our wishful thinking can cloud our judgment. And of course, money has a way of complicating just about everything. Check out seven seasons that dive into life and how money messes with it on This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcast.